Hello, I'm Joan. I'm a Canadian family physician who also works as a restorative medical educator, facilitator, and coach. I create spaces that rehumanize the work of healthcare. I'm creating this podcast to remind myself, as well as anyone else working in a helping profession, that when you are working and caring for your human patients, you are the other human in the room. Hello there, healthcare humans. Um, Welcome back to another episode of The Other Human in the Room. So uh, today's episode is um, all about how to stay human in a crisis. And um, it is a personal episode for me because unfortunately, my family is experiencing something that I think most people would consider a crisis right now. My husband um, has had um, a new and serious illness diagnosis that requires intensive treatment. You know, I'm not about to spill all his business on the internet, um, but just to say, already I've had to, you know, rebook and cancel and um, rearrange my schedule for various appointments and surgeries and things. And um, over the next few months, that looks like it's going to continue. And so, uh, yeah, I would call that a crisis and something unexpected. I said in a text to a friend, not my favorite plot twist to the beginning of 2023 to be experiencing this with him, with our little kids. And so, um, this episode, like all the episodes is for me as much as anyone else out there, because I know I have a crisis mode already. I know it came out full force in March, 2020. It came out again, January, 2021, when I went back to work and like dove into COVID vaccine planning. I have this really intense kind of survival crisis mode I can go into where I'm plan, plan, planning. I'm going a million miles a minute. I'm not getting that much sleep. Um, but I almost don't feel like I need it. Like it's kind of like a kind of mania, honestly, not literally, but you know, it's that sort of very intense energy. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Obviously, I, I have done that in the past. That same energy served me through, you know, medical school, clerkship, like you just sort of set aside your humanity and grind it out. I know how to do that. But I've been working really hard to really deeply connect with my humanity. That's what this whole project has been, like this podcast and everything I'm doing with coaching and and teaching. And so I want to invite myself to find a different way how to stay human in the midst of this one. And it's important to me as well because, I mean, I want to stay connected, right? That's what often can get cut off when I'm in sort of like superhero overproductive mode. Um, Then there's not a lot of space to really be quiet with people and be with people like my kids and my husband and and myself um I mean that's the number one person who gets abandoned in my crisis mode is me because I don't become me a person I become me a human robot of doing things of purpose and of drive like a soldier or something do you know what I mean like I'm just on a mission and it doesn't matter if I'm hungry you know so um 
I, you know, I've had smaller versions of crises over the past year and have been experimenting with how to stay out of that crisis survival mode, you know, like on a neurological, physiological level. I've talked before about, you know, our autonomic system has sympathetic versus parasympathetic, you know, so fight, fight or flight versus rest and digest. And I mean, we spend time in both all day, but say in healthcare and when we're in a crisis, we can be really drawn into spending all of our time in survival mode. There's always a crisis in healthcare, if you've noticed, right? So we can always be justified to go, 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 grind, 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 because there's always someone who needs our help and we've got to go and meet all these needs, you know? And so I've worked really hard in my normal-ish life um, to do that. And so I'm inviting myself and sharing with you how I am planning to continue to do that and, and needing, of course, to be even more intentional about it during this time when there's, um, you know, I had my priorities, I had some ideas of what I could do with this year. And now for the next several months, a very obvious new priority has emerged, which means things need to change. And so the things I can think of uh, that are going to help me stay more in rest and digest, my learning brain, my connection brain, my abundance brain, my me authentic human self, where I'm able to rest, where I'm able to still enjoy life, where I'm, I'm not rushing and doing and crisising everywhere. So the number one is always feeling those feelings and really kind of doing a lot of intentional practicing of it, certainly over the past weeks where there's been a lot of bombs dropped and diagnoses we weren't wishing for. And, you know, that's a, a number one is feeling all the feelings and reminding myself they're, they're here for me. They are protecting me. They're, they're loving me, all my emotions. So, um, that if nothing else, honestly, if you really just spent most of your time in the middle of a crisis, recognizing how, when you're in survival brain, the number one thing you're doing is running away from your feelings. (laughs) You know, in the past, like my fear of COVID was what I was running away from when I was hyper productive, making Google spreadsheets about what policies needed to change, you know, or, and my fear of my kids getting COVID because they couldn't be vaccinated was my main driver to let me do all the vaccine stuff, you know? So if I sat with the fear. So in this case, sitting with the fear of everything that's to come, the pain, watching the suffering of someone I love, of course, the fear of if the worst happens, which isn't likely to happen statistically in this case, but my brain doesn't give a crap about statistics. Of course, it's going to offer me that fear, you know? And so allowing that to rise up and allowing myself to just pause and whatever I'm doing and really feel that completely and honor the fact that that emotion has come up for a reason, you know, I think honestly, that could be the whole way I could stay human. (laughs) That's the real core thing I need to stay human in this crisis is really allowing all these emotions through and really then staying connected with myself that's the the biggest strategy. But other strategies, I don't have like a list written down. I'm just sort of like saying this off the cuff and reminding myself. Um, other strategies that also help me remind myself I'm a human that have to do with emotions is like my embodiment practices. Um, I've brought this term up before. 
basically things that help me connect with the fact that I am a human being in a human body. So certain forms of exercise, especially when I have this sort of mental attention to, you know, say I'm like doing a really hard cardio workout and I, and I, and I'm thinking to myself, notice how strong this, notice how strong you feel, notice how sweaty you feel, like notice how this feels to feel this alive in this way, you know, notice that you are surviving this, notice that you are inviting this, like kind of it's like combining mindfulness with movement, you know, and, um, that really grounds me. And so I know that's something that's essential. I need to keep doing, even if there's a hard, tired day where I'm like, well, maybe I'll sleep in. No, I know that's going to be essential for me to keep taking care of myself. And so that's like a movement practice. And then the other related practices to that, that I, I'm going to make sure that I have even more like intentionally kind of scheduled and prioritized are rest practices and pleasure practices. So rest practices being like even 10 minutes where I lie down and I set a timer and I just lie there. It's not even meditation. It's just lying there between appointments, between um, activities, like with myself and really connecting with myself. Often that's the space I use to feel the emotions I've been running away from all day. You know, that's something that's really important to me. Um, and then pleasure practices, because especially in a time like this, there's a lot of invitation to stay in fear and worry and determination and things that feel not good, but feel, it feels, it's like you you feel guilty if you do something that feels good for some reason because there's like a tragedy happening in your family. But I know that's a lie. That's an inhuman story. And so I'm going to continue to invite myself and my husband too. like, what is it that we want to do that we want to enjoy in the midst of this hard time? Like already we've kind of committed to each other, you know, things that we're going to do together that we both know bring joy to our bodies that feel good to us, um, activities for our family, things, you know, where we can laugh, things where we are out in nature and it feels good to our bodies, you know, like those sorts of things. And for myself personally, like when no one else is around, I'm going to keep like some of mine are like having a delightful bath or um, dance party by myself to my favorite songs or singing. I have this like kind of karaoke app where I sing. Those are all they're all like embodied practices, too, but they're like embodied practices specifically to feel good. And I I separate them from things that I kind of do to numb out, like, say, scrolling social media or whatever, which is also fine. Like that also feels good, like a delicious meal, a snack can feel good. But I notice when I'm being intentional about it, it's more nourishing than when I'm using it to run away from feelings I'd rather not feel, you know? So those are really core elements. And then I guess it's sort of like the last bits are um, making space for those things I just mentioned, which means saying no to even more than before. Because I've been in a kind of crisis mode where it felt kind of so good to just be useful and helpful that I kept saying yes to more things. Like that's when I really got burnt out because I was like doing Zoom meetings over my lunch hour. Like I was just totally cramming way too much in, in like desperation to feel like I was making a difference during a time when, you know, the world was in chaos, as if it's never not in chaos, right? (laughs) That's what, I mean, that's what we got to learn. And so I know, like, one of the things I did, especially when it became clear this was a bit of a longer journey for my husband than one surgery, um, 
was I made a list on my phone of things I'm going to quit. And I've already been like quite good at quitting things. I've quit lots of stuff already, but even more things I'm going to at least pause, step away. Um, And it's been useful. I happen to be reading this book about like prioritizing your time. It's a really good book. It's called 4,000 Weeks and it's called Time Management for Mortals. That's the subtitle. And it's sort of this ironic thing because, you know, when you have a serious health thing going on, you realize we all only get about 4,000 weeks. And that's if you live to your, to your 80s. <laughs> Ooh, sorry if that's a bit of a bummer, but it's like really gives you a perspective, right? And one of the things in that book I just read was, say you list your top 20 dreams or priorities or things you want to do with your life. And then you choose your top maybe three or five. And that makes sense. But the thing that was useful for me to read, especially right now, is the the biggest enemy of actually doing those top three to five things are the things on the list just below. So say you have your top five. Thing number six is interesting and delightful enough to you to entice you away from your top five. You know, in this time, there's so much good work I can be doing. And I have people reaching out and um, people I really like. People I've been like, oh man, it would be so great to connect with them. But now I really have to notice and kind of guard my top things and, and, and be even more rigorous with my boundaries to allow the space I know I will need in order to really connect with the things that matter most, you know? And so that's something I'm really being intentional about and letting things go and letting things go. Even things I really enjoy, things where I feel like I was doing good work, things where I'm very useful, things where I really like the people, things where I felt very essential and like, what will they do without me? If it's not hitting those top five, they're going at least for the next three months, you know? So um, that sort of logistically, how I'm going to stay human in the crisis is I really am going to just know that as a human, we've got 4,000 weeks on this earth. I got 24 hours in a day and I'm not going to rush through this time. I, I actually want to really, is it weird to savor a time in your life that feels bad, but I want to savor what feels good in this time that feels bad. And that's going to involve making space and allowing things to be even less frenzied than they've been in the past, you know, as much work as I've already done on that. Um, and then the last thing is I am going to be intentional about intentional about asking for more support. I already had this plan. I'm like hiring my amazing MP uh, who already kind of works with me, but I'm going to like, I was already planning on trying to, to find ways to make medicine more sustainable without me there, make myself more replaceable. Like I'm the captain of the ship, but that means I can't be always steering the ship and hoisting the sails and that's as much as I know about ships (laughs) but like I mean I just have been really thinking deeply already about the notion that it's absurd that I am the one single doctor for my you know 1100 patients and so if a family tragedy was to strike me like it's happening now they're just screwed like that doesn't make sense that's a terrible system and so I already had a plan to bring in more help and so I'm just going to do that more and anytime I feel guilty I'm going to just know that that's like an inhuman story I've been conditioned to believe and I'm going to say thank you guilt but go away because there's nothing that I need to feel guilty about about being a human for my patients. It's the system that set it up this way. And I am going to do what I can to set up a better system for my patients. Um, 
I include it, including actually telling them, like, I'm not going to lean on my patients for support, but I am planning on actually like hosting a, a town hall, like I've done in the past, like a virtual one and letting them know kind of how I'm letting you know, I have stuff going on with my family. You may see less of me. And and that um, is true for you on the podcast. It, this work, my restorative medical education and coaching work is in my top five for sure. Because I feel like this is the work this work plus my patient work are the things that are like core and essential to my life right now with family, like with my kids and my husband being, well, me, kids and husband, patient work and this work. Like that's what's staying. That's my top, I guess, four. Those are my things. They need to stay because um, they're the they're the thing that brings me the most joy and fulfillment. And so I don't know if I will um, be recording a podcast every week. I'm actually just like not sure how much time this will take, like how sick you'll get kind of that stuff, you know? So um, just like I'm going to let my patients know, I'm letting you know, you may see me a little less. I may be a little bit less on social media. It doesn't mean I'm gone, um, you know, and so with my patients, my patients in particular, I'm going to say, please see my nurse practitioner, please see my team members, please still access my care in these asynchronous ways. So um, even if it, if your appointment gets canceled, there, I'm, I'm creating other ways that you can still get care, even if you're, you're getting less FaceTime with me, you know? Um, and so that's a way of creating a support system for myself, actually, is by creating a support system for the work that I love that I want to keep doing. And then more directly, I'm I'm, I have my own coach. I have a couple that I really love and I've already, you know, cried to extensively. And I, um, I have people in my life that I'm going to keep trying to make lunch dates with, even if they get canceled. And I'm going to, I'm going, there's an instinct in crisis mode for me to be like the lone wolf superhero in the corner. And that's so lonely. And I don't want to be lonely in this time. And I'm, I don't want that for my husband either. And so, that's the last sort of bucket of intentions and that's going to take a priority in how I spend my time is like those deep meaningful connections to me which um by the way like say if you're listening to this and you're a client of mine and you have an appointment upcoming I will let you know if I need to cancel it but I hope to continue I know some of you have actually already had some appointments rescheduled because of some of this stuff and I thank you for your understanding in that and I think it's there's something where you think having to rebook people is a harm and I get it. It's disappointing. You want to connect with people at the time you say you do, but I think this is the reality of humans taking care of other humans is we won't always quite know how we're spending our days and our time. And so being human, a crisis is allowing myself the grace and asking for that of others of um, not over promising my time, but still wanting to show up. I don't have to turtle and cancel everything either. Because that will feel terrible for me. And I, and I, I, I don't want to do that either. So yeah, those are kind of the three big buckets. Uh, feeling all my feelings and intentional practices that allow me access to myself as a human body more. Prioritizing my time and quitting things that are number six through ten on my top ten list. And then um, reaching out and getting the support I need and, and practicing receiving support, which is not my favorite. I in historically have not loved being vulnerable and needing to say I need help. And so that will be hard and I will be messy about it. And I'm 
hopefully, because I'm saying this all out loud on the internet. <laughs> if you listen to this and you're trying to offer me support and I'm shutting you down, you can remind me of it. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I would inv- I know this is like about me, but if you've noticed, that's what this whole podcast is about. It's like, what's helped? One of my main ethos for this podcast is what has helped me helps others. And so maybe you're not going through a personal, maybe your partner isn't going through a health crisis right now, but I know everyone I know has had some kind of horrible loss or crisis or something this past year. And I mean, have you met the pandemic? We're all like the system's falling apart and life still goes on and people still get sick and people still, you know, loved ones uh, die or move away or relationships fracture. Like life just keeps happening. And so crises happen more often than we think. I think we think if we worry and plan and control our lives enough, we can avoid them. And like, if anything else, the past few years have just like, I just have a big like LOL over that idea now. Cause like, good luck making a well-controlled, neat and tidy plan. Certainly if you have a baby and a toddler in the middle of a pandemic, you just, <laughs> I haven't really had that notion for some time. But um, my brain likes to wish that it, it could control the future. And so if your brain's like that too, I hope you find this podcast useful. I hope you remind yourself, A, number one, feel all those feelings. And that can be hard to do on your own. Reach out for that support. Reach out to, I would support. I really love teaching people about their emotions and holding space for them to experience what it's like to really feel your feelings. And I have workshops and I have like past podcasts that are all about this. It's, it's the, it's a core essential skill that is so missing in our society, you know? And so just knowing that your emotions are signals that are there to support your survival and thriving. They are not bad. They are there to protect you and care for you. And they are safe to let in and they will not kill you. They will, they will feel intense and they will go away. That's all emotions are. That's the number one way to stay human in a crisis. And then look at that priority list and get it real narrow and really understand why you're, what stays on your plate, you know, and then get the support you need because even those things on your plate, you're probably going to need some help to keep them up um, and keep that priority up. So that's what I have for you this week. Um, thank you to everyone who has been listening to the podcast up to this point. I'm always amazed at seeing like how many listens every week come back. And I'm so hopeful that this podcast continues to help you make your experience of healthcare more human. And um, yeah, I hope you are having a less crisisful week than I am as well. <laughs> Take care. Hey there, healthcare humans. I want to invite you to sign up for my course, How to Stop Worrying About Your Patients. It's a free five-day email course delivered right to your inbox where I teach you why worrying is optional that it's not actually helpful for your patients and that it's possible to reclaim your brain from worry and start enjoying your life in and outside of medicine. Go to joanchanmd.com course to sign up now. I'll see you in your inbox.